Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. A couple things. One, I am a camp enthusiast. I love camp, and I think it's the best uh, value for your money. And so I do encourage you, if you have kids that are camp age, um, one thing my mom said, and I grew up in a family of seven children, and we were um, definitely blue-collar, hardworking type of people, she always said, I can't afford not to send my kids to camp. And I believe that. And so um, it's a good thing. The other thing is uh, spring day event. I would really l- would love to see you there, ladies. It's a, going to be a special day filled with a lot of fun things. You don't want to miss it. There's no charge. So um, that's May 22nd, 9 o'clock right here. And I'll look forward to seeing you. Well, it's always good to be able to share on Mother's Day or whenever I get a chance as far as that goes. If you were here last Saturday, I want you to relax. I'm not going to leave the room coughing tonight. And (laughs) I I just, but relax, really. I have, um, as many of you know, I've been kind of out for a month with pneumonia and different things, and I'm doing much better. I feel great, and I'm glad to be here. And so it's always fun to share on Mother's Day. I love it. I love to be able to. You know what I I think I like about it so much is that whenever you prepare a message, you, I'm the student. It's something that God is speaking to me. And so really what I have to share tonight is what God is teaching me and has spoken to me, and I feel feel like I am in the in the mix as much as anybody and it's really a good thing for me to learn these things and probably that's the number one reason I do like to teach because it's a discipline that I then can apply to my own life. I want to start out this evening by uh, sharing a, a letter that a mom and dad found. A father and mother passing by their son's bedroom were astonished to see that his bed was nicely made and everything was picked up. Then they saw an envelope propped up prominently on the pillow that was addressed to mom and dad. With the worst premonition, they opened the envelope and with trembling hands, they read the letter. Dear mom and dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I have been finding real passion with Stacy, and she is so nice. But I know you would not approve of her because of all of her piercings, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's much older than I am. But it's not only the passion. She's pregnant. Stacy said that, she'll, that we will be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with the other people in the area um, for cocaine and ecstasy. In the meantime, we will pray that science will find a cure for AIDS so Stacy can get better. She deserves it. Don't worry. I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. 
someday I'm sure that we will be back to visit so that we can get to know you, so that you'll get to know your grandkids. Love your son, John. <clears throat> P.S. Mom and Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than a bad report card that's in the <laughs> center desk drawer. <laughs> I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> Some of you tonight may be thinking if, it's, if that was the worst thing that I was facing, a bad report card. <laughs> but, um, you know, whatever you're facing, God wants to give you a new perspective. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to see the circumstances that you're in, regardless of what they are from a new point of view, from the way that God sees them. Sometimes we need an encouraging reminder. As a matter of fact, I would say all the time, we need an encouraging reminder of how much God thinks of us and how he sees us. You know, this year our theme is Touchable Jesus, Touchable Church. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, because I'm going to be reading out of the Old Testament, Isaiah 62, that we also have a touchable God. God is touchable. God is emotional. His heart yearns. He's relentless for a relationship with us. God is relational. He knows us by name and he knows our potential. Isaiah 62 is an absolute truth of how much God loves us. He loves us dearly. He loves us deeply. And we have a God who really cares for us. He's in touch with us, and he's relevant to our needs. When I prepared today's message, when I prepared for tonight, I had two things in mind while I was preparing them. First of all, I had all of you in mind, every single person in this room, myself included, as I mentioned before, because sometimes the message on a special occasion or a special weekend like Mother's Day can be perceived as a message to a select audience, like for mothers only. But Isaiah 62 is a word to every one of us. Because when God spoke this word, he was speaking it to you and to me. The second thing I had in mind was this message is to mothers and fathers. It is to mothers. Because it comes from the heart of a parent. You're going to see God's heart, how tender his heart is towards us. And it gives clear and precise directions on how we can pray, how we can hope, and how we can believe for our children. I'm going to be reading Isaiah 62, and and as I'm reading it tonight, I want you to do a few things. I want you to hear it fresh, like you've never heard it before. I want you to not only hear it, but I want you to see it. And if it's possible, experience it. So, it will be on the overhead as well if you want to look there, or you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 62. Because I love Zion, because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. 
The nations will see your righteousness. Kings will be blinded by your glory. And the Lord will give you a new name. The Lord will hold you in his hands for all to see a splendid crown in the hands of God. Never again will you be called the God-forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the, for the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his own. Your children will care for you with joy, O Jerusalem, just as a young man cares for his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray to the Lord day and night for the fulfillment of his promises. Take no rest for all you who pray. Give the Lord no rest until he makes Jerusalem the object of praise throughout the earth. The Lord has sworn to Jerusalem by his own strength. I will never again hand you over to your enemies. Never again will foreign warriors come and take away your grain and wine. You raised it and you will keep it, praising the Lord. Within the courtyards of the temple, you yourselves will drink the wine that you have pressed. Go out, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. Thank you. If you would, um, in your bulletin, uh, if you want to turn to your outline, there are four things I want to speak to you this evening um, regarding Isaiah 62, and they are these things. Now, I want to uh, just let you know that these points will come up again because you'll notice that some of the, the lines are blank, so if you don't get it all right now, you'll have a chance to get that in a moment. But the four points, the first one is that God fervently hopes for you. The second one is God will give a new name to you. Third, God has posted watchmen for you. And last, he prepares the way for us. God fervently hopes for you. Isaiah 62, 1 says, I love you. My heart yearns for you. I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for you. This is God's heart. He fervently has a hope for us. God hopes for you and me so much more than you can even imagine. And just because this prophecy is directed towards Zion and Jerusalem, don't think for a moment It doesn't represent how God feels about you because it is a word to you. It's a word to his people. So whenever you hear or see Zion or Jerusalem, know that he's speaking to you. It's how he feels about you. God is passionate for us. He's crazy about us. 
God cares for us and has a fervent hope for you. Just as we as parents have a hope for our children. Doesn't matter how young or old they are. Parents have a hope for their children. God's parental example in this passage of scripture is he never stops praying. And he says, don't be silent until you see me move. Be relentless. God has a fervent hope for you and me. He's not finished with us. Not only is God not finished with us, his word says in Isaiah 43:19, he's about to do a brand new thing. I love that passage of scripture as well. Because seriously, he's saying, I'm going to do a brand new thing in you. He says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their life snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But I love this part because then he says, those were were miraculous things, mighty things, only things that I could do because I'm God and I love you and I care for you. But then the next verse says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I have made a path through through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like the fact that he says he wants me to be refreshed. Anyone else here feel like they need to be refreshed? Anyone who um, has gotten to that place where they need God to do a brand new thing in you. And I like it because he says, see, I have already begun. We have to recognize and open our eyes because God is already doing things in our life and we have to pay attention because he's doing things in our lives that are filled with promise. God fervently hopes for you, and he's about to do a brand new thing. Whatever you're facing, God wants to give you a new perspective. He wants to give you hope to see the circumstances from a new point of view, to see things as God sees them. And may you have the power to understand as All God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. God has a fervent hope for us, his people. He will give you a brand new name. He will give, you, give a new name to you. Isaiah 62, 2 says, The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. By the Lord's own mouth. 
God is the author of your new name. What's in a name? What's in a name? You know, I, I, you know, it, we have a perfect example on the platform tonight. Four beautiful little girls, all with beautiful names. So what's in a name? Apparently a lot. All through the Bible, we see how significant names are. Because names always had meaning. And also through the Bible, we see how there are new names given to people. And how, he's, how God changed names. For instance, Abram. Abram, he says, your new name is Abraham. He says, you're not just a patriarch of your family, but now you're a father to multitudes. So, every time you hear the word Abraham, every time you hear your name Abraham, you're reminded of the promise. Now you're a father to multitudes. I've changed your name. Jacob, your new name is Israel. You've wrestled with God and you won. It's interesting because Jacob, I was reading this story over and I really kind of found it amusing in Genesis. Jacob is wrestling with an angel. And at one point the angel asks him, he says, what's your name? And I think the angel obviously knew what his name was, but he made Jacob say his name. What's your name? And he says, Jacob. From now on, the angel says, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and men and have won. But this is what I kind of found amusing because names are significant. Because then Jacob asked the angel, what's your name? And basically the angel says, it's none of your business because he didn't tell him. (laughs) But I found that interesting that Jacob then stops and says, what's your name? But he didn't tell him his name. So anyhow, your name, names are important. They're significant. And um, it's one of the most personal things about you. It is very significant and meaningful. It would be very hurtful, for instance, if your parents forgot your name. It would be very hurtful if your spouse forgot your name or you forgot one of your children's name. They would be hurt. Names are important. Names are very important, and when you have a baby, you don't just pull a name out of a hat and hope that it's something that you like, but it's thought out. You think about it, and for nine months you think about names and what the significance is and why it's important to you. You know, I've even heard stories of babies being born, and they are left unnamed for days because the parents want to make sure that the name that they give that baby is the right one. There are pet names. I know that my granddaughter, of course, with all of us, we have pet names and we call each other these cute little little names. Ella, I always call her Ella Bell. Ella Bell. But there's sometimes I say Ella the Bella. Where's Ella the Bella? Hi, Ella the Bella. Because to me, and I've told her what the meaning is, I said, when I say Ella the Bella, that means Ella the Beautiful. So we have pet names that we call one another. We have nicknames. I remember growing up, and all my dad's friends, I never knew their real names. They were Frenchie, and they were Cook, and they were Shorty, and they were, you know, they had all these nicknames. It sounded like the mafia, but, you know, they were the nicknames. 
And then there, then there are odd or unfortunate names. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard of the musician-songwriter Prince. He made one of the most highly publicized moves of his career by changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. So basically, his name was a symbol that you couldn't pronounce. And so then he was referred to as the artist formerly known as Prince. So there's odd names. There's unfortunate names. In Isaiah 62.2, it says, The Lord will give you a new name. A new name is God's way of saying to you, There has been transformation in your life. This is your new name. Your name is, at- is attached to a promise God wants you to remember. God gives us a name to match our potential and to give us hope. You may think of yourself as a failure, but God says your name is success. It's victory. You may think your name should be disgrace, but God says my name for you is honor. It's approved. He'll give you a new name. He already has. His word is full of God's promises for you, and these are the new names he gives you. He calls you forgiven. He calls you beloved. He calls you friend. Your name is able and strong, competent. Your name is valuable. It's precious. It's brave. It's highly regarded. Your name is dependable, honest, loyal, and joyful. God has given you a new name. God is not hesitant to give out new names. On Saul's conversion, he was then called Paul. Simon's name was changed to Peter. Petra, the rock. Jesus said, Simon, your name is Peter, the rock on which I will build my church. It was his promise. He changed his name to fulfill a promise in Peter's life. His potential. Jesus saw Peter's potential and called him the rock. In Isaiah 62, 4, it says, Never again will you be called a God-forsaken city or a desolate land. Your new name will be God's delight, bride of God. As parents, Ron and I spoke new names into our children's life. And it's not that they're... Names that we gave them were not significant and don't have promise in themselves. Ronnie, Ryan, and Rebecca, they're all strong names that have significance to them. But there were times in their life that we spoke to them and over them a new name. We prayed a new name for them. And it went a little bit like this. Lord, let our son be a giant slayer like David. One who is not afraid to fight the giants in his life. To stand up to those that defy the name of the Lord. And to fight the giants that speak lies of God's promises. We spoke the name confident leader like Joshua over our son. We spoke the name worthy over our daughter. It was significant. 
It made a difference. We said your name is worthy. It brought healing to her life. God has given us a new name. God has posted watchmen for you. Isaiah 62, 6 says, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest. God made this assignment. He is the one who posted the watchmen on the wall. It's because he loves us, he cares for us, and he does watch over us. But this is the thing about the watchmen. Now, as parents, like I said, this is a parental instruction. And God says, post watchmen on the wall. And so as parents, we are the watchmen posted on the wall for our children. But this is the thing about a watchman. The primary objective of the watchman is to watch and to pray. The watchmen are not critics. They're not there to judge or praise or to broadcast their opinions because heaven knows we have great opinions. Their objective is to watch and to pray. Watchmen are not spies. Now, I have to preface this by saying, as a mom, I'm not going to tell you not to spy at times. I can't do that. But this portion of scripture says to be a watchman, not a spy. And watchmen watch and pray. Watchmen are prayer warriors who constantly pray, giving God no rest until he completes his work. God wants you, does not want you to leave him alone. He's saying, press me, urge me, lay hold of my strength. Watch and pray and do it until I get it done. Parents, we have been given the assignments to be the watchman on the wall. It's tough. That is a tough assignment. There's times that we're so frustrated, times that we're so weary. There's times that we don't want to see. We don't mind praying, but we don't want to see anything. We want to believe everything's okay. It's a tough job to be the watchman at times. It's frustrating and there's fear sometimes in us and it's, we don't want to do it. But we have been given the assignment to be watchmen over our children. As a mom, I want to proactively get involved and I want to do something to make a difference. And one of the ways that I can do that is to watch and to pray. To pray and give the Lord no rest. Pray God's promises over our kids. And his promise in Isaiah 62 says this, I will never again hand you over to your enemies. Never again will foreign warriors come and take away your grain and wine. Parents, we have been given the assignment to be watchmen on the wall. We can do that. The fourth point this evening is he prepares a way for us. I love this. God has made a way for all of us. He has made a way for us to get to him through his life, his death, and his resurrection. We have access 
to Jesus because of what Jesus did for us. He has made a way. He has prepared a way for us to get to him. He invites us into a relationship. He's invitational. Not only did he lay down his life to us, but he's invitational because he desires us to come to him, to get to him. We have full access to Jesus. All we have to do is come. Not only does he say that you have full access, but that I want you to come boldly into my throne room. We don't have to be timid. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be afraid to go to God. He says, come boldly into my throne room. He has made a way for us to do that. I love that. God has prepared a way for us through his mercy. I am so thankful for God's mercy. He has made a way for us through his grace. I am so thankful for God's grace. God is gracious, and his grace does make a way for us to touch Jesus. He's kind, and he's generous. Isaiah 62.10 says, Go out through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road. Pull out the boulders. Raise a flag. This is what I understand the scripture to mean for me as a parent. I need to get obstacles out of the way, anything and everything that would obstruct the pathway to Jesus. I need to get that out of the way. I need to smooth out the road. I need to move the boulders, whatever they are, so that there's a pathway to get to Jesus. What are some of the the obstacles in the path? One of those obstacles is an an obstacle are my expectations. My idea of how it should all look and how it should be done and how you should do it. My ideals. We can have expectations like, for instance, we're all going to go to church together. We're going to wear our Sunday best. We're going to sit together and occasionally even hold hands. We're going to worship. It's going to be wonderful. And afterwards, we're going to go and we're going to just have this wonderful conversation, this theological conversation, and and reflect on the wonderful message that we had. And those are our ideals. ideals. Those are our expectations. And, And those can be huge boulders in the path for your children to get to Jesus. Your expectations can be way too high and unrealistic, or they can be really low. You think, that will never happen. I can't see that happening. My expectations are, I don't have any expectations. They're low. I can't, I can't believe that would happen. So our expectations can be obstacles on the road to Jesus. Isaiah 62 says, smooth out the road, pull out the boulders. Obstacles in the road are my disappointments. I'm so sad. I feel let down. It's not the way I thought it would be. I'm so disappointed. 
And whether it's from a child or a spouse or from other circumstances, our disappointments, our sadness, our feeling let down could be these obstacles in the middle of the road. They can be boulders that are in the middle of the road. We may be thinking, I want my kids to get to Jesus. I want this. I want that. I want it. I want it. When really we need to get real, we need to look at our own personal stuff and get our own personal stuff out of the way so that we can and we need to touch Jesus. We're so concerned about them getting to Jesus, our spouse, our children, this person or that person. And when we really need to look at our personal stuff, be honest with our personal stuff, and we need to get to Jesus. We can be that obstacle in the road. We can be this person in the middle of the road with all this baggage. We have six suitcases, a backpack, the whole shebang, and we're standing in the road and we're this humongous boulder that no one can pass. It's our personal stuff. Our personal stuff can look like unforgiveness. Our personal stuff can look like selfishness, deceit. It can look like legalism. There are all kinds of personal stuff that are boulders on the highway to Jesus. To be honest and look at it and say, what are the boulders that I need to get out of the way to make the pathway to Jesus clear? I need to smooth out the road. Prepare the highway, smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, and raise a flag. You know what flags are used for? They're they're used to draw attention, and usually positive attention. Not only must the way be prepared, but it must be marked by a banner or a flag. Not, not only do we want to make a way for them to come, but they need to be attracted to come. So we have to ask the question, does my life reflect a relationship with Jesus that is attractive? When it comes to preparing the way and smoothing out the road and removing the boulders, there is so much we want to do. But the biggest thing we can do is to trust God. We trust God with our children. We trust God with our families. If you've ever heard me speak before, if you've ever heard me teach, you will have heard me say, The bottom line is to trust God. Probably because that's where I struggle. That's where I'm always reminded by the Holy Spirit, trust me, I'm trustworthy, I can do this, I can do it better than you can, trust me. And when I say trust God, it means this, stop trying to fix things on your own, stop blaming yourself or others, And simply surrender it all to Jesus and say, I will trust you, God. I will trust the Holy Spirit to work and I will trust the process in which he is working. Trust the process. Watch and pray. Watch because 
God is good. Pray because he's faithful. It's not easy, but it's true. God has a passionate and compassionate love for us. He's attached to us. He has an attachment to us and an attraction to us. And he calls us by name. And he'll give us a new name that will bring hope and promise and blessing to our life. He has posted watchmen. And he has prepared a way for us to reach him. I want to close tonight with a lyric some lyrics from a song that I just recently heard. It's probably been around forever, but it goes like this. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to fill my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that is a promise to us. Thank you that you fervently hope for us. Thank you, God. You're doing a brand new thing in us. You're doing a brand new thing in our families. We just need to have eyes to see because you're good and you're doing good things, Lord. It's oftentimes through the troubles and trials, Lord Jesus, that it births and breaks open these new things, and we're thankful for that. Thank you that you've given us a new name, a promise, and a blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because you watch over us, you care for us, and you've made a way. Father, I pray this evening that those that need that brand new thing, the river in the wilderness, the refreshment of that fresh river running through dry and barren land, that they would receive it. Thank you, God. You are good. In your precious name, amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.